Futures Radio Show, sponsored by CME Group, the world's leading and most diverse futures and options exchange. CME Group's markets help individuals and businesses around the world effectively manage risk. For access to free educational tools and resources for the active individual trader, please visit activetrader.cmegroup.com. Every day, traders and investors dive in to tackle the ever-changing markets to find opportunity. Futures Radio Show is your number one source for answers to the questions that all market participants want to ask. Veteran futures trader Anthony Crudelli sits down with the most influential leaders and top traders in the industry. Now... Here's your host, Anthony Crudelli. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in for this episode with Ira Harris and Matt Paxkenna. Remember, new shows are posted on Mondays and Thursdays. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and YouTube. If you're enjoying the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Before I play today's interview for you, I want to give a shout out to the great sponsors of Futures Radio Show. CME Group, Trading Technologies, FTSE Russell, RJO Futures, and Top Step Trader. To learn more about these sponsors and the important things they are doing for futures traders, be sure to click on their logos on futuresradioshow.com. Today I spoke with two of my very good friends, independent trader and writer of the blog, Notes from Underground, Ira Harris. An independent trader and president of the PAX Group, Matt Kenna. PAX and I are both avid readers of Ira's blog and we use his macro insight to help us day trade futures. So I decided to have Ira come on the show, give us his top macro themes, and have Pax and I talk about how we use his macro themes to help us with our day trading. Ira explains how algos give trading opportunities, and last but not least, Pax asked Ira if he thinks the search for yield can lead to buying of US equities. So without further ado, let me take you right to the interview with Ira and Pax. Ira, there's a lot going on right now in, in the macro world, but what is one macro theme that you were focused on and trading? My biggest has been, as much as I like to watch the yield curves and they're important to me, but the uh, gold versus all the currencies, because as I've flippantly have talked about, that uh, you know, people say, oh, you're a gold bug, and I go, no, I'm not, but are you a fiat currency bug? And in this realm of negative interest rates, and you know, let's face it, the emphasis is on trying to, if not depreciate your currency, at least keep it from appreciating, which creates a negative environment for it. And that we saw play out uh, to a T with New Zealand, uh, uh, it's almost a week and a half ago, maybe a little more, when they cut their interest rates 50 basis points from 1.5% to 1%, and people were expecting the 25 basis point cut, but it really reflected that the New Zealanders were worried about the strength of the Kiwi, that's what their currency is called, versus the Australian dollar. And we had talked about that in real time. And uh, what it led to, of course, is now that the Australian dollar has appreciated uh, about 3% against the uh, New Zealand currency. So you see that, and this is all in place. So that means that people have to go somewhere else to at least preserve s some value. And they're using gold as a, as a preservation. And it's not about, and this is where people have been 
mistaken and miss the boat on this is that it's not about inflation. It's about the credibility of the central banks and nothing else. You know, we've had two articles. We had one on uh, over the weekend from James Bullard. It wasn't an article, it was an interview he did with the Financial Times in which he talked about that really uh, central banks have just lost their way and they really don't know the outcome of any of this, which is what I've been trying to hammer home to people for quite a while. And then, of course, we had uh, Bill Dudley's uh, piece today, which has gained a lot of traction, but is more of the same. So you've seen that the metals, silver and gold, both had very strong moves up again today. Uh, and and this, is, this has been the central theme. Now, coupled with this, of course, and people, and I know, Anthony, that people, as you've told me, are very intrigued about this. We've seen the yield curves invert. And typically, when you see yield curves invert, again, we can't time it. We can trade it and what you see, but it's very difficult to time it. And, and when I say it's difficult, I know that's not a good enough answer for people. But I haven't studied this as long as I've had and watched the way that things play out. The emphasis be, becomes, you. this can go on. This can go on, meaning the curves can do these things, invert or stay flat for quite a while before you see the economic slowdown that they tend to portend or some type of financial situation that they portend. I can't tell you what the duration is. I've seen it in three months and I've seen it take 16 months. So people say, what good is it? Well, what good is it? You get a lot of intraday activity as people try to establish themselves. What good is it? And then that's the importance of it for me because you know, do I put on my investor hat or do I put on my trader hat? My investor hat says, this is a caution sign. My trader hat says, wow, there's going to be all types of volatility emanating off of this because it now is the mainstay of the discussion. You can't turn on Bloomberg or CNBC um, without them talking yield curves and, and the importance of them or the lack of importance of them. So there's a lot of battle. The battles are going on and they're, they're real. Because people are trying to determine what the real impact of this is and trying to understand it. And, okay, let's have a go at it. But that opens up, from the global macro perspective, all types of trades. I mean, there are trades galore, and they're, fo- and they're not just focused in, in the U.S. You know, the European bonds have been an unbelievably great day trade. Now, to me, they're a worthless investment, but they are a great uh trade. And there are those who tell you, well, they have been a good investment because it's been a one-way move up in the price of those bonds. And that's true. But I couldn't go home, you know, uh, without having some type of spread on. I would never be out right long because that's the definition, you know, as they say, what's the definition of insanity? Doing the same thing over and over again and hoping for different results. That's insanity. People who buy uh, sovereign debt and yielding with those types of negative yields, with any type of negative yield, to me is insanity. But again, you know, we quote John Maynard Keynes that markets can remain irrational far longer than you and I can remain solvent. But in that irrational, and that's my point that I'm trying to make here, Anthony, in the midst of that irrationality, there can be great trading opportunities, just not very good investment opportunities. And you have to be able to discern between the two. Absolutely agree with you. And 
I want to bring Pax in here uh, now to join the conversation. And before we get to you, Pax, I want to make a couple of comments on questions I get from people uh, on Twitter and emails about me following the macro side of things, specifically your blog, Ira, which Pax and I read religiously. And we've both talked about how we use it in our day trading. And I get a lot of questions as to how we do that. And I think that the mistake that I think a lot of day traders make when they, when they think about some of the things you just said, and just, you know, when they're reading your blog and they're just looking at macro in general, is that they think too much about ultimately where we're going. And, and then it changes their mindset from the day trading side of things. So that they start focusing on this big picture direction and it can then hurt them possibly on their day trading instead of saying, okay, there's a bias going on right now on the macro side of things. And what I have done is understand that, look, there's a theme going on. And instead of focusing on ultimately where it's going, trading the journey along the way and using that macro bias, that, that understanding of what's happening in a macro theme to help me day trade that direction intraday a little bit more aggressively when those types of trades set up. Because as you just said, there's just trade setup galore because of this, because it's creating price opportunity. And instead of making the mistake of thinking, ultimately, where are we going to go and overwhelming myself with that? I say, okay, this is happening. Let's see if my intraday technicals align with the directions that Ira and others I follow with the macro theme line up. And then those days are days where maybe I'll trade more aggressively, increase my risk. Well, you know, there's, there's a lot that goes into determining whether or not I'm going to increase my risk, but that would be one way. And then, and then knowing that if I have something that's working to maybe hold it a little bit longer than I possibly would, um, versus if I'm going against the macro theme that you were discussing, maybe I would trade smaller and maybe I'd be quicker to cover, not thinking they would get to these targets. Pax, I want to bring you in you heard what Ira said. You heard what I said. I, I want to pick your brain a little bit and hear your thoughts. Well, I agree, Anthony. And you know, I, I think it's interesting when Ira said that he, you know, whether he has his investor hat on or his trader hat on, these kind of conversations remind me of being on the floor. I would, I learned more from from traders like you and Ira uh, than I did in in my four years of college, just because we were able to ask these sorts of questions and and talk about these sorts of ideas. And, and get a different perspective on them. So last week, we were talking on Thursday, Ira and I and Judd, and, and you know, we were talking just about these sorts of things, you know, what's going on with the Italian bonds, the Italian bonds leading the rally up, followed by the, you know, dragging the 30-year bonds up with it. How do we trade that? What does that mean for the equity markets? Looking for, uh, uh, you know, the equities to, to break off of it, yet Friday's price action was very strong until uh, the tweet came out and then you saw a huge pop in gold and a huge pop in in the 30-year. I quickly exited longs in, in the S&P and got short and have been short since. Uh, again, last night watching the Italian bonds lead the 30-year and the 10-year, the long, the, the long end of the yield curve up, which made it very easy for me to get long in the 30-year this morning. It's these sorts of ideas that, you know, from people much smarter and much more well-read than I, that I really miss from the trading floor, but that we're able to, to keep going through, through good, rational conversation and asking a lot of questions. 
Hey everyone, I hope you're enjoying the show so far, but I want to pause and thank one of our sponsors, Trading Technologies. I started using TT in the year 2000, and I love it. It is by far the best trading platform I have ever used, and I've tried a lot of them. With TT, you can trade the global markets from virtually anywhere in the world. They are the world's fastest commercially available futures trading platform. I highly suggest you go try out TT, especially because you can try it for free. Just go to tryttnow.com and set up your account. Ira, I want to go back to you now. You heard from me and how I use your blog and macro themes in my day trading. We just heard from Pax how he took some of the ideas that you gave him with the Italian bonds and the 30-year bonds and how he used that to help him in his day trading. You and I have spoken in the past many times on how you use fundamentals and these macro ideas that you have as the basis for a trade, but then you use the technicals to help you confirm those ideas, those themes. But we haven't talked much about how you use it intraday, day trading. Can you share with us how you use your macro themes to day trade? Okay. So I'll put together a picture, and Pax just laid out one of them, which is the Italian bonds, which, uh, you know, uh, in uh, in the cuckoo room, we've talked about what happens with the with the Italian bonds, and that one day they sold <laughs> off hard because the government, of course, was uh, going to be dissolved, and everybody took that as a negative. And my viewpoint on it was, well, let's watch this. Salvini is a little smarter than a lot of people are giving him credit for. And he's trying to play something here. So the Italian uh, bonds, the BTBs, now if you don't have them to watch, you know, that's shame on you. I have to, you know, I, I spend a little bit more money, but I hope that it's going to lead to make me a lot more money. And watching and, and being able to trade all the European uh, instruments on Eurex and to monitor them and, and uh, chart them has, has borne tremendous fruit for me. Uh, there's great opportunities there. So, but I watched them, and they held at a very critical level. And now we're, I think, uh, on the, uh, I'm going to pull the chart up right now. Uh, yeah, from from when when that announcement came, we we broke down. Now this is on the 9th of August. The price broke down to 136.90. We're at 144.60. You've had a, almost an eight-handle move. That's 800 ticks. In the straight up from when that and and where it held was was very important, and the market got to play out. But that led you, as Pax is telling you, to other trades because if you're coming to buy Italian debt, okay, I'm, I'm taking you inside the inner sanctum of my insanity. If you're willing, if investors or whoever traders are willing to buy Italian bonds which in the face of a government falling and all these other negative things that are going on, then they're just, they're telling you they're chasing yield. When you're, when you're willing to, to accept today, the Italian, the Italian bonds right now, as we sit, have an effective yield on the tenure of 1.15. Now this is in a country that is in severe trouble. It's the same I can go to the uh, to the UK because we're facing Brexit. Okay, Brexit hot hot button issue, and yet as I keep telling people, if if you think it's so devastating 
for the UK, why are you buying bonds? Why are you buying the UK bonds? You shouldn't want anything with the with the um, stamp of the UK on it if you're so worried about the negatives. But yet, it's not the case. The British uh, UK bonds are all time uh, low yields. And that bigger picture of looking at these things tells me people are chasing yields. They're chasing yields blindly. They do not care. You can throw whatever you want at them. This is the algo-driven world. As Pax, when we were talking the other night, and I'll keep reiterating this, in the algo-driven world, which is just a, a concept of artificial intelligence, because uh, they're pre-programmed, they're not good at, at context or nuance. That's my edge. When I look across the board and I put together my global macro picture, and in this case, it's chasing yield regardless of everything else, that's my edge. All algos see are price or headlines, okay? What do they react to? What is every uh, headline? It could be four words, eight words, 10 words, whatever, and they're all crafted. When you see that they come across certain news services, the algos are crafted to read those keywords or keyworded and they react to it and then it becomes price driven. Well, I'll wait because I'm looking for a, a theme that's in the market and then I'll use my, my that I've tried to understand the context of all this and there might be some great opportunity in there. There may be none, there may be none, but there might be great opportunity. And that's what I'm looking to do. So as Pac said, where did it lead him? It led him to a vehicle that he could trade this morning when he watched or starting yesterday at around 1030 in the afternoon or 1030 in the morning, the Italian bonds really started taking off. Interesting during the G7 meeting, which also was an indicator for me because it was a love fest and everybody felt comfortable. So, you know what, when you feel comfortable, you're willing to uh, maybe take some risk on things that you otherwise wouldn't, but you've sold yourself on that narrative. It's all good. You know, it's like I always like to to use that uh, scene from uh, one of my favorite movies, The Time Machine, the original one. And uh, and uh, what's his name? Uh, the hero. He he meets this woman in his time who, when he travels back in time, and he's talking to her, and she says, and and there are these sirens going off, and he says, Weena, what does that mean? She says, it's all clear. What's all clear? I don't know, but it's all clear. And that's what you, some of the nuance that you'll get in the market. Yesterday, the G7, you know, it was a love fest. So it was all clear for risk on. So we had a total risk on day, right? That's what it meant. It's all clear. When things get disrupted a little more and they're not so all clear, then you have to sit up and take notice of that in that, in that light. But both will give you a trading opportunity. Did I... Do I make that clear? Absolutely. And Pax, we're going to get to you here in just a second, but I want to take a moment to not only talk about how understanding the macro themes gives us opportunities, but how it keeps me out of bad trades. <laughs> and I want to talk specifically about the 10-year ultra. That's a market that I trade regularly and by reading your blog, Ira, understanding that the macro theme is up in that market, I know that when I'm getting 
short trade opportunities to either be smaller and trading closer to risk or to not trade at all. So I'm going to be more aggressive on the longs. Those are the trade opportunities, but I'm also going to keep myself out of some bad trades because I understand the macro theme is up and I'm going to be a little bit more patient waiting for an upward trending market that's supported by a macro theme to be in right away on a short signal. And the same goes for a correlating market or opposite correlating market. For example, if I see the 10-year blowing through resistance and I get a long set up in the S&P, well, I'm not going to be in a big hurry to buy the S&P because the 10-year is blowing through resistance. Pax, I want to go back to you now. You heard from me. You heard from Ira. What are your thoughts? I think, Anthony, that's a huge, huge point. Just even yesterday, or going back to Friday, the S&Ps were, were trading at 29.10 to 29.20. We had the, 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 the first of the tweet storm come out. Gold popped from 15.16 up to 15.40 uh, on its way up to, I mean, uh, yeah, 15.40 up to 15.5. Yeah. I saw that pop, and immediately, I, you know that I trade the opening range in the S&P. I saw that and I immediately alerted the traders in my room to look out for this break. Here we come. Make sure your stops are in and make sure the reverse stops make again, like you're talking about, Ant, make sure that we're, we're trading close to risk, you know, really good trade definition. So once we got back through the opening range, it was easy to be short. Now, going back to a conversation that we had with Ira on Thursday, we were looking for uh, a tweet storm to come out. Uh, talking about either Chinese tariffs or even actual tariffs in uh, going into uh, fresh European tariffs. Well, we got the Chinese tariffs and, and that dragged the market down. It was a very nice trade. I missed the gold trade, but I caught the S&P trade. I caught the bonds this morning and it's all, none of it, uh, I loved what you said, Ira. Algos don't have... Uh, context and nuance, and that's our edge. And you're absolutely right. So in that context, I'm able to define my risk better, and I'm able to hold trades longer when I have an idea of what's going on. And for traders, traders like me, traders like you, we're, you know, we're trading from home now or, or, or an office someplace, and we don't have, I don't know, 20, 30 people around me I can bounce ideas off of. I go on the internet to look up news and and, you know, it's slanted or it's crazy or it's whatever people are saying. But I know that I can go to, 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 to Notes from Underground, Ira's blog, and I know that, that even if I don't understand something, and I tell people all the time, if you don't understand it, do what I do, look it up. Because as, as the Italian bonds rally led me into two or three different trades in the last few days, so does, so does reading Ira's blog leads me into to reading other uh, writers. Daniel Lacalle, uh, Lacalle had a piece out today um, that I need to get caught up on. Um, all, just all kinds of uh, uh, different macro ideas that now I, I'm getting an idea of how to understand things and then pull that onto my screens and use that for my benefit. Yeah, exactly. Everybody's heard me say thousands of times on the show, it's all about execution. Right. So what I wanted to really talk about today and we have is you could read the macro themes, understand them. And just because you're not trading on that time frame, they can help you with your day trading. And Ira, I'm going to give you the last word today. And we've talked a lot about 
some of the things that you're, you're focused on. We talked about the, um, how Pax and I use your blog and other macro traders blogs for execution and day trading going forward. What is a macro theme you think we as traders should be keeping an eye on? Thanks, Anthony. And this is, uh, I, I'm just sitting there and I'm discussing it with myself, uh, which I always do. Um, here's what is important because today an important piece came out this morning and I, I knew it was going to gain some traction to be discussed, which was uh, previous New York Fed President Bill Dudley had a piece uh, talking about how the Fed should not uh, enable Donald Trump trade policies by continuing meeting them with lower interest rates. That's fine. That's fine. I, I, I have actually discussed this uh, ad nauseum for five months and, and talked about the trap that uh, Donald Trump was laying for the Fed, which I believe it, it's a trap. And that's what basically Dudley says, that they've walked into the trap because Trump knows that if he wants to turn up the, the tariff rhetoric, it has a negative impact on equity markets. It makes financial markets nervous, and the Fed is forced to respond. Which, why else did uh, did they cut rates at the, on July 31st? It was a response to Trump trapping them, and Trump wanted more. And then you got the speech from Jackson Hole. Trump wanted more. He didn't get it. Boom, the rhetoric gets turned up. It, this has been very consistent. So Dudley says, you know, he he advises don't fall into the trap and stop cutting rates and stop enabling them. That's, I, I don't, there's not a word of that that I, that I disagree with, but here's where I, 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 I gained from this in reading what Dudley had to say, not one mention of the dollar. And trust me, this is the final, well, trust me, don't trust me. Go do your work and read it yourself. Don't trust a word I say, because I'm here to dispel narratives. And anybody who reads my stuff knows that I, I build a lot on Epson uh, theory, which is uh, Ben Hunt's great work. It's, it's far more difficult than my stuff to understand, but he talks about the importance of narrative. Well, to me, the narrative now going forward, I don't care what they're talking about on CNBC. I don't care, because that's a bunch of salespeople who meet and exact, and they're trying to, you know, uh, build customers. Uh, and it's all to that narrative, you know, selling Wall Street. I don't care about it. What I care is if they're right, they're right. But in this venue, in Dudley's speech, not one word is mentioned about the dollar. So Trump's final uh, effort to trap the Fed, because the Fed says, oh, we're not cutting rates. We're just going to sit here. You figure this out then the White House will ramp up the currency war. And I mean a re legitimate currency war, not around the edges. They will start talking about ways to start depreciating the dollar. And don't forget, that's not a Federal Reserve mandate. That's under the authority of the Treasury, which is Mnuchin, who I, readers of my blog know the way I feel about Mnuchin, and it's been two and a half years of constant banging that drum. But they have that power. And Bob Lighthizer, who's the mainstay of Trump's trade agenda and is a very tough negotiator and a very bright guy and who was 
very involved in James Baker's Plaza Accord back in 1985. Bob Lighthizer knows how to use the tool of currency depreciation. People say, oh, they, they don't have enough strength. They don't have enough strength? I'll take you back to 1998 when uh, Bob Rubin was Secretary of the Treasury and they intervened on the yen in June of 1998 to drive the yen higher. The, Fed, the Treasury has a lot of power. And just the jawboning and the tweeting, we are going to get into some very, very, very powerful FX foreign exchange. So this is going to become something to trade. I'm not, I can't tell you exactly when it's going to happen, but it's on my radar screen. It's something I'm going to watch, and I'm going to look all around the edges for you know to find when, in fact, it is really getting into play. So from this moment on. Where I have the only way I've been trading the currencies is really against the gold. Uh, as you know, people have listened to us, Anthony, and, and certainly Pax knows the gold currency. And then my favorite was the gold Swiss. I, I'm not I'm not looking to buy dollars. I know a lot of people are bullish dollars, and they're going to tell you about the interest rate differential. Which, listen, I'm a I'm a fundamental analyst who's been doing this for 42 years, and I understand that. But but again, trading is a dynamic event. Markets are dynamic. If you operate with static lenses, you're going to get crushed. So I'm now is dynamicism going to change? I believe it's going to change because Dudley's article just makes Trump that much uh, capable of using that tool that he does control. And that can wreak all kinds of havoc upon the global system. So it's something that I'm going to be watching very closely, and I'm looking for it to gain traction in my trading narrative, uh, and the one that I developed, because I think the currencies, the dollar is now going to become a tool in Trump's hand. He, you know, it's one thing to push the Fed. It's another thing to play with the dollar when he has control over it. Hey, everybody. I want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, FTSE Russell. They are a leading global provider of benchmarks, analytics, and data solutions. The Russell 2000 Index is a key benchmark for small cap U.S. stocks. Be sure to check out the E-mini Russell 2000 Index futures, contract symbol RTY. For more information on FTSE Russell and their products, please visit FTSERussell.com. Great insight, Ira. Pax, we have a few minutes left. Any macro questions you have for Ira? Yeah, Ira, how would um, is it possible that in in a world starved for yield, and I mean a whole world, we have almost as you mentioned earlier, every every major developed country except for us, UK, and and it, well, we don't have negative interest rates. So, every, in a world starved for yield, is it possible that instead of equity markets, instead of the indices falling apart, that maybe the indices have a rally or at least stay steady, aren't as bearish yes. as what I think they are? Yes, yes, yes. And, and in that regard, I think the people who talk about the, the impact from the Trump trade uh, uh, barrage tweets that go on, that sort of affects it. Because, again, you know, as Rick Santelli has talked about for God, so many years, uh, Tina, there is an alternative. If people are willing to buy gold, they'll be willing to buy equities in the short term. Because, again, money's so cheap. And if you see, seek out some high-quality stocks, you find high-quality stocks. And as long as they're not carrying a lot of debt, 
and they're, and they're paying uh, dividends that are far above um, the uh, tenure uh, U.S. Treasury note. And in Europe, of course, that doesn't even register because I'm looking at my list that I always keep in front of me. I have Portugal and Spain on tenure debt paying basically 10 basis points. And then Ireland, Japan, Sweden, Belgium, France, Finland, Austria, Netherlands, Denmark, Germany, and Switzerland are all negative. Okay, so I don't even know what that means, but it, I, but it means something, and it's setting people up for an absolute calamity there. So equities really are not are not a bad place. It's just that the geopolitical situation makes it very difficult. And of course, you know we, we're coming we're 14 months away from election in the United States. So all these things, you know, are coming to the boil. Uh, and, and one of the things that I'm looking for, I'm looking, I, I'm thinking that Trump is going to put tariffs on the Europeans. I know they had a great love fest at the G7, but as I, but as I said to somebody, you know, Trump and Macron were all lovey-dovey. But if I was Macron, I'd be very worried because every time Trump calls somebody his good friend and how wonderful he is, the next day he's putting tariffs on. You know, let's think about the the uh, the effusive words he had for Xi, and and we know what that turned out. So don't equate one with the other. In fact, uh, it, it comes down to those who the gods seek to destroy. They first elevate to a higher level. So. Uh, be, it's one of those things you have to remain careful about here. And that's the, so the equity markets, everybody says, well, Trump wants a strong equity market. I'm not sure what he wants. I'm not sure what he wants. I, I didn't think he'd even want to be reelected, but evidently he wants to be reelected. But what plays out more? I, I don't know. You know, I, I'm not sold, but the market left to its own devices in the in the world of such ridiculous, and I say that ridiculously low interest rates. Um, it, again, you, you're, it's what Ben Bernanke talked about in Jackson Hole in 2010, the Portfolio Balance Channel, where you sw- switch from uh, less risky assets uh, called bonds, sovereign bonds especially, into more risky assets, equities, and people have been rewarded. And well, is that ending now? I mean, it, it will end. It will end. What what will really set it on fire? I I don't know. But it it will end. But right now, people come back to it because where where else are you going with your money? Bitcoin? No, I don't think so. Um, if you're in Asia and you're looking to move money to move your you know to move out of your currency, Bitcoin is a is a is a legitimate alternative until it's not. So where do you go? And I'm telling you. I, it's much more rational to buy equities today than it is to buy bonds. I think bonds are, they're setting this, this market up for an absolute, absolute calamity. And people better start asking, who is it that owns all these bonds? If you think bonds are going, are going, that bonds are going up and yields are dropping because we're on the verge of a recession, I, I laugh at you. I laugh at you. Because first of all, with the huge amount of deficit, with a huge amount of debt, like the U.S. debt is over a trillion dollars, and this is, and we have a good economy. So if the economy slows, the debt is going to explode. Why should interest rates on sovereign debt go lower? I understand short-term rates going lower because the Fed can control that and push things 
but why who would who would take these absurd low levels of return to to take on all that risk i not i not i said the little red hen not me I, i'm not doing it, it well it, and it's a very dangerous very dangerous world and so people better start asking who is it that owns all these bonds if you're not asking that question and, and you manage people's money, and I'm talking, I'm, not, I'm talking about portfolio managers. I'm not talking about CTAs and people who manage trading money. I'm talking about people who manage investment money. If you're not asking who's buying these bonds, and you're, you know, blindly uh, buying uh, TLT or uh, whatever type of uh, bond ETF that you buy, you better ask who who is it that I'm that I'm uh, in cahoots with buying these debt because it makes zero sense to me. Zero. Zero. And I know that the curve is inverted, but I'm not buying the long end. I'll buy a two-year, which has been okay because, you know, people say, oh, you've been touting the two-year versus the long. I said, yeah. I'm not saying you have to put the curve on, but that's what, with my own money, that's what I've been doing. I've been buying T-bills, which have yield, yielded more. So yes, I'm not getting the capital appreciation. Although if you bought two-year treasuries, you did get some capital appreciation. So it really has not cost me all that much relative to the amount of risk that I deem that people are taking on. But that doesn't mean there's not, as again, let's bring it back to trading opportunities and the ability to 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 seek some profit. And, and you know, uh, Anthony, as well as Pax, I don't care about your political philosophy. I don't care about your partisan stance. This is everything that we discuss is just the ability to try to increase and enhance our profits. That's all. I, I don't care one iota, and I don't want you to care one iota about what my political leanings are. Because if I'm really doing my job well, you shouldn't have any idea what those are. And, and you know, I I censor people who want to who want to bring their politics into the blog. It's just not allowed. And and Pax, you brought up a point before. But if you follow the discussions that take place on my blog that I generate to get the discussions, you'll learn a lot more because there are a lot of people who oh, I don't understand this. And all of a sudden, people who do and will express it better than I can are out there doing it. And you can really learn a tremendous amount. I learn from my readers. It, it, that's the beauty of, of everything I do. There's, there's a guy, in fact, I'm having breakfast with him tomorrow, Mike Temple, who I didn't know from literally from Adam, but he's been writing to the blog for years and his comments are very good and, they, and they're enlightening and they offer trade opportunities. Here's a guy who's been long on a consistent rollover basis, the red euro dollars. That's been his trade. You know, well, you know how well he's done with that trade for the last year and a half? Phenomenally. I'm sorry to interrupt, Ira, but I've been reading. I, I so I read. Obviously, I read it. About a year ago is when I started to follow the the red euros, and I haven't yeah. followed the red euros since I clerked in that in that part of the euro dollar bread. <laughs> Incredibly interesting. Well, guys, what can I say? Ira Pax, thank you guys so much for joining me today. We'll start with you, Ira. Ira, where could people find you on Twitter? Actually, I'll tell everybody it's at. Ira Harris, but Ira, give us the website. Well, it's uh, Ira Harris, Y-R-A-H-A-R-R-I-S.com. And then you can get the notes from underground from there. And that's the blog is notes from underground. And for those who are 
steeped in literary and Russian literature, uh, you'll understand why. And the tagline, of course, is two plus two equals five, because as my, it, this is really, it comes from Notes from Underground. And it, and, and what Dostoevsky was poking at, who wrote Notes from Underground, the original uh, book, was wriggling against the rationalists, where everything is balanced. Well, I live in a world of trying to understand, as I say, we talk about narrative, the world is unbalanced. It's unbalanced. And if you believe that the world is all, you know, that the world is all, two plus four always equals four, well, that's great. But I've never lived in that world in my life, really. Uh, <laughs> everybody, my brother at my at my wedding, you know, made a toast. And my brother was a professional comedian, but the toast was very apropos. And he said, my wife and I were a perfect match because she's a CPA. And I'm irreally unbalanced. And I've always been unbalanced. It's the way I see the world, but it's done me well. So uh, that's the whole strength of that. And that's, you can find it there. Pax, where can people find you on Twitter and give us a website? I'm at PaxTrader777 on Twitter. And uh, my website is thepaxgroup.org. You guys are the best. You know how much respect I have for both of you. Thank you so much for joining me today on Futures Radio Show. Uh, thanks, Anthony. Anthony. Thank, thanks for taking the time and making this happen. Because listen, it's this trading world is all about communication, and if you're involved with good communicate with good communicators, you'll be a lot more successful. Because as Pax noted, that's what was on the floor: the ability to communicate, and we've lost that via the computer. We're now geared to algos and headlines, and and headlines distorted by news organizations that write to create the greatest volatility. And and they exist. And listen, that's the jungle I choose to live in. Great. That's where I have to hunt. I have to adjust to the terrain. And is you know, and that's what we always do. We're always adjusting. We don't cry. We don't complain. We adjust. And overcome. Guys, you guys are the best. Thank you again. Thank you, Ant. Thank you. Thanks, Ira. Thanks, Ax. Ant, be well. Thank you for listening to Futures Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for myself or my guests, please visit futuresradioshow.com and sign up to be a premium member for free. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to leave us a review on iTunes.